1: And burn. Are you not we
2: go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball, and we're off and running for another
3: week of sports here across the prairies, wherever you're listening. However you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We know you got choices, and we're happy you chose us. And I think you're choosing us because we always have a show stack full of great guests. We're going to hear from our Coach of the Week this week, Claire Doré, who is both a basketball coach and a football coach at the amateur level. Uh, Before 5 o'clock, we'll hear from uh, Mike Kelly at the NHL Network. He puts a nice, fun spin on Analytics you may or may not have heard that Razor Ramon Scott Hall the uh, former wrestling superstar is, uh, well, he's in a hospital. He had three heart attacks in a row. He was on life support. His family took him off life, uh, life support, but he is still hanging in there, so that is some uh, good news. I haven't seen if he's passed away or not. We'll talk with Wavel Star, local wrestler, who did have a cup of coffee in the WWE, and then we've got uh, a bunch of other stuff going on between five and six. About eight guests on the show, so we can't wait. Now, over the weekend, two big stories, okay? We'll get to the curling one in a minute. But this was the first thing that came across. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Retired. retired. They say all good things must come to an end.
2: Guess who's back? Back, back? back again. Brady's back. Gronk's good friend. Yes, he's back. Brady's back. Yes, he's back. Brady's back. Yes, he's back. Brady's back. Yes, he's back.
3: Yeah, he unofficially retired, uh, and uh, then he unofficially uh, officially, unretired yesterday. His 23rd season saying, These past two months I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. <laughs> if Tom Brady can't realize what he's going to do off the field when his football career is done, and he realizes he's a nobody off the field... What do these other guys feel like like a backup with like say the Cincinnati Bengals. Now let's be honest. The main reason Tom Brady is unretiring, he just spent 40 days with his wife and kids and said, "You know what? I'm out. I'm going back uh, to the football field. And this was hilarious. So just hours before Brady announced he was coming out of retirement, someone paid $518,628 for what was supposed to be Tom's final touchdown ball. Th- that touchdown in question was a 55-yarder to Bucks receiver Mike Evans during their playoff loss to the Rams. Now Evans tossed the ball into the stands. Obviously he wasn't thinking about its possible worth either. Remember, Evans did that uh, earlier in the season after catching Brady's 600th touchdown pass. They got that ball back and gave the fans some swag in return. Well, now the bidder of that other worthless ball is, uh, is lamenting, giving out, uh, bucks for a football that was supposed to be his last ever touchdown pass. But, uh, Isn't so uh, we'll talk more about Tom Brady as the day progresses. That's one of the big sports stories as the NFL free agency week gets going. There's lots of things going on and lots to talk about there. We'll get into that after five o'clock. But the other big story yesterday was now I'm a casual curling fan, I will not sit here and tell you that I'm Don Duguid or Don Whitman or Vic Router or Russ Howard, but that has to be the greatest curling performance in a briar period, bar none Brad Gushu's ring comes back from Beijing, China I had jet lag coming back from Dubai and I wasn't doing anything athletic this guy came back right into the fire ripped off all these wins in a row, and then his third mark Nichols goes out with um, COVID And because of the rules, and because they didn't bring an extra guy, they had to go the last four games with three dudes. And it's not like they beat me and my program director, Abby White, in the last game. They beat Kevin friggin' Cooey. They beat Kevin Cooey and our buddy Ben Hebert, 9-8, in an extra end to win their fourth Briar in the last six years. Do we have our guest on the line, Abby? Okay, so let us head out on the Western Pizza Hotline where all our guests come to you. Uh, Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And we're joined on the phone by a guy that's joined us three times in the past week. He's probably sick of me already. I used to call his name uh, during Ram Games as a former receiver, Catelyn Schneider. Now, Catelyn, you were one of the guys that lost to Gushu on this remarkable run. Could you see then that they were on a bit of a roll there?
4: Yeah, um... I mean the way brad played against us uh it was easy to see that they they had it in them i mean he kept playing like like that and nothing was off the table um he made everything he made i can think of eight shots against us that were high high difficult that he made just perfectly and if he misses any one of those we probably win that game so um yeah i couldn't believe how it was an unbelievable athletic performance by that team to be able to come out with three guys and I'm sure Brett's pretty sore today after all the sweeping he did individually
3: there. Yeah, no kidding. And that's what I wanted to talk about. So you got Walker, who's got to hold the broom for, you know, he's got to hold the broom where that's normally Nichols' job. You got Gallant, Mm. who's doing the flip-flop there as he's sweeping. Let's talk about just the different dynamics that change when you lose one guy. Because it looked easy, but it's not.
4: No, it's not. Um, I mean, a lot of people talk about the fact that both of those guys have played mixed doubles, which means you're one sweeper kind of mm-hmm. jumping back and forth and, and having to judge and, and call weight on your own. So that helped them out. But honestly, like, yeah, I getting Jeff in the house. I mean, Jeff used to play a lot of other positions other than lead. So he does have some history of, of calling line back in the, you know, back when. But, you know, what? overall, they'd just be thrown into that position. Like, not only did they have to, you know, do different things by sweeping different sides sweeping on their own call in line which you don't, don't normally do they also had to throw three rocks each which is unique in its own mindset so um, you know Jeff had to throw some peels that he did does his own intentions. Um, it was unbelievable the performance that they put on was, was crazy and um, yeah it, uh, it was it was something to watch.
3: So forgive me for my ignorance, okay? Uh, I'm more a football guy than a curling guy. I'm not going to lie to you, but I, what 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 just makes me shake my head in amazement is how when the when the rock is released, you know if it's hack weight, if it's bored, if it's uh, if it's too heavy. How, how long does it take you to know that?
4: Um, you have a few different references. Obviously, use your eyes, um, and we take some split time, you know, between the, the tier or back line and the hog line to get a, a frame of reference for slide speed and how fast you're moving between those two points of reference. Um, it shouldn't take you a lot, a lot, but it's, I mean, it's hugely vastly different when you are two guys. One guy maybe on the watch, one guy with his eyes, or just that communication barrier between, like, when, you, when you're sweeping and your head's down and you're putting all your weight on your broom, you kind of, you, you have that second guy to kind of look up and kind of Continually having that judgment call, you know, okay, yeah, we're still hack weight, or, oh, now that we've been sweeping it, it's heavier, or it's top four, oh, wait, now we're back eight, kind of thing. Um, so having that second guy is huge. It, it makes a huge difference. It's always great to have a second person. And even when you got a pound one from one, you know, pillar to post, from the one hog to the other, you're dead tired after that. So having another guy to be able to help out on the next one is huge. And, and I'm sure I'm sore today from the whole week. I can't imagine how Brett feels. So, so let,
3: let's talk about that too. It's one thing to have uh, physical uh, things that you're going up against, but what about the mental? Like you guys ripped three games off in a row and you look tired against Cooey in that one uh, game in the lead up to the page playoffs. It looked like he just mm-hmm. had run out of gas because of the intensity. So you could talk about that and then reference that to what we saw last night. Cause that was their fourth game in a row playing with three dudes. Like it is a grind yeah. with four guys, let alone three.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. Physical is, is massive and that's why, you know, we're all in pretty good shape these days, we're all training lots and making mm-hmm. sure coming the season where it's kinda of like football ballsy, you know, you you can't really take a step back. If you come out and you can't run five five routes as hard as you can in a row, you you mustn't up either, right? So mm-hmm. that's a huge part of the game, but that physical ability helps you stay in it mentally because if you're if you're dying and you're out of breath, you know, you're not in it mentally. You just you just have that as soon as Mark goes down, and you realize you have to sleep with one sweeper for three straight games, mentally you're kind of checked out, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, definitely, I think we were tired in that Chile game. You, you play three cannon games in a row. I don't care how good a shape you are, you're, you're going to be exhausted. So I think I think the fact that after Mark going down, I'm sure they had some doubts of like, can we do this? You know, like this is the hardest tournament in the world to win, uh, and, and we're doing it with, with our with our third, right? So mentally, I mean, I think the game versus us when they were really um they played Botcher first story. Um they lost to him on the last shot of the game, then they played us and Brad played out of his mind against us and they said, You know what? Maybe we can do this, you know, like maybe we can actually pull together and if Brad's playing when he way he is and we can keep supporting each other and keep our energy levels up, maybe we can do this. So it, it was yeah, again, it was just like one of the wins for the history.
3: Yeah, right? is that is that is that the be- in your short time on this earth and you've been on it shorter than I have. I and I'm not an expert in curling but and I but I watch all the Briars, at least the finals, at least the playoffs. I can't remember a better one. Like that may have been the best Brier performance I've ever seen just you t- you take the scope of it, you take who he was facing, all of that.
4: I yeah, I think if you put everything together from you know, what I remember, all the variables that he was up against. Um, COVID, coming from Olympics, um, the fact that no one's ever seen this before, the fact that it was maybe one of the hardest Briars of all time, too. You know, you look at all the teams, um, the fact that he had the three of four, three of four teams there without him, like, you no, know, not considering their team. All of these teams have won the Briar in the last six years. You know, like mm-hmm. you're playing some stellar competition and to just lose your third half with but Like, Third aside, Marcus aside, not having him, just Brad's performance alone—the shots he made in uh, four games leading up—were just remarkable to be that, that that in the zone. So, to me, I've never seen a performance like that before, and and I, personally, I doubted that they'd be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I really did. Um, so to see them pull it off, and uh, I've been asked a bunch of times, does it make it better or worse yeah. that you you know they want it that you know you lost to them and the three, four picks, for up game. I, I it's hard to say. It's always great to say, well, at least we lost to the winner, but it's also, like, in the back of your head, you think, well, geez, like, you know, we didn't, we started without Hammer against them, we put up a good fight, um, up one, coming home without, he made an Angle they pick off the button to beat us. You always think, well, geez, like, if he wins it, could we win won it if we would have beat them? Mm-hmm. Like, and you'll never know, and I think overall, we're, just, we're happy with our performance, but looking at that performance, it's like, holy smokes, that's, uh, it was almost like he was on a mission, and no one was stopping
3: him. Well, we know the Cooey team's going to break up. That was already uh, that was said on the broadcast with Vic and and Russ. Um, yeah. What's your team look like? Are you guys going to be solidified going forward? Because we're in a different, interesting time now. People are uh, starting to put together, I guess, like the NBA, some super teams, so they can take a <laughs> run at some of these, uh, you know, these these better uh, teams when they get to the worlds and things like that.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to look back on our our uh, accomplishments this week and and see a pretty bright future. Um, we're all fairly young comparatively to the teams we're playing. Um, it was our first year really as a team and a full full year of, of playing at some top level competitions. Um, so yeah, I mean our, our goal um, is to stay together, I believe, and and build on that confidence uh, that we got from the Briar. Um, we have the players coming up here in in April and play the championship on Sportsnet there in April in Toronto. So we'll have another chance to build on it from there. And I mean, you got to look at it and say, well, the three kings above us, you know, with all the rumors of all three of them, you know, making moves or breaking up. You know, if a couple of te- like a team like us stays together, the sky could be the limit. And then in the next, uh, you know, four years, eight years.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I was proud of you watching you, man. I know you from uh, the football world, and I was like, "That's cool, man." And and you were I saw your dad out there coaching you, so that was, that brought a smile to my face. Last question for you, Catlin Schneider: What's tougher, yep. football or curling?
4: <laughs> football. My body still hurts. <laughs> Way tougher physically, that's for sure. I would say mentally. um I'd say curling's harder. You don't really have that out to just be able to go and unleash some anger or, or energy into a into another human on the field but you know, with the shoulder pads or the helmet. Um and you can't really take any, you know, any breaks any time during any of these top games. You have to be just mentally dialed the entire time. Mm-hmm. You have to completely you know, you're right beside the fans, you're on the microphone, on national television. Um, you can't really slip up in any ways whether it's physically or um, in what you're saying or mentally just focus on every single shot because other shots important so i'd say say mentally curling physically football
3: man thanks for uh taking time out of your schedule over the last week or so and guesting with us three times in the sports cage i really appreciate it appreciate your friendship and we'll talk to you soon can't wait to see you at a curling rink again
4: do bad. things, Paul. Cheers,
3: man. That's yeah, Catelyn Schneider joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, if you want to text in and talk about uh, what you think of the show and our guests, you can always text in 936-6262. It's our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one for dealership. When we come back, we, we always like to highlight the athletes, the coaches, and the builders here on the Sports Cage as uh, we go to the grassroots next and honor a coach Of the week. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
2: Got a comment or need to get something off your chest? Call or text the Capital Ford Lincoln text line now at 306 936 6262. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
3: And welcome to a new week of sports. And we got it covered for you right here on the Sports Cage. Ballsy in the chair. And wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We really appreciate it because we know you got a lot of choices and we're happy you chose us. If you want to weigh in on the show, we're more than happy to have you do that at 936-6262. That's our text line and it's brought to you by our friends over there at Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline, dinner time, game time. Anytime's a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza about their specials. And here on the show, we like to highlight athletes, coaches, and builders that help grow our game, whatever our favorite sport is at the grassroots level. This is our Coach of the Week, and she happens to coach Two sports, not only football, but she's also this week looking for a senior girls basketball championship in the white division. Joining me now is Claire Doré. We'll talk about her football side of things, but she is also the senior girls basketball coach for Belfort. Now, you're getting ready for a city championship against Luther. When does that go down?
5: Uh, That game, uh, Balzi, will be on Tuesday, March 15th at 6 o'clock up at Laval
3: okay so and that's uh, called it now it's not like 3a 4a 5a it's the white division right am i right about that
5: correct yeah it was the regina high school athletic association we are the white division uh senior girls there are the blue division which is the other division that plays in the city they're about at their semifinal action next week and those finals will take place at the end of next week
3: can you uh humor me why the colors was there a reason for that
5: I am not uh, privy to that information. Um,
3: okay, you just—I re-
5: I, I just show up where they tell me to play with my team, and we do the best we can.
3: And so, obviously, the team's doing well. How do you stack up against Luther?
5: You know, we are just uh, out here. We're gonna we're gonna take these next few days to uh, continue to improve and, and just refine our skills, and and just hope to put a good game on the floor.
3: Can you? Take what you do in football and coach and, and, and bring it to the basketball court, even though it's two different sports, and, and what can you bring?
5: Absolutely. There are plenty of similarities with um, all sorts of the things we do, um, you know, from talking about spacing, and, and which in basketball it would be how I would talk about my offensive or defensive sets, where we talk about field position and those sorts of things. Um, you know, just the same way I, we talk with my receivers about blocking and, and our running backs about reading our blockers' backsides right? Take our screens, set good screens, be low, go to, the, go to your teammates' backside, right? There's a lot of ways you can make those transitions, right? Quick feet, body position. Um, I, I try and take all the skill sets I get on one and, and, and use it in the other as often as I can.
3: So what's the strength of the Bell for team?
5: You know, um, we pride ourselves on our hard work, our efforts, and that we, we play our, our full team uh, pretty much every night. So um, we're pretty proud of that, that, that all, all of our players are engaged and, and uh, participating at that level.
3: Now, your other hat, or helmet, should I say, is football. And you've been involved in various levels, different uh, different levels of football, but and a player too. But now, for the first time ever, the first female head coach of the U18 team in the, in the Football SAS program, and it's Claire Doré. How does that feel?
5: You know, it is an honor to be uh, given such a, such a title and, and to be put in that conversation where, where, you know, the word first is put in front of it. Um, and I'm just so lucky to be, um, you know, a part of this program.
3: So first, does it mean a lot to you? Like, I know you said you're honored, or would you rather just be considered a football coach? Or is it cool to be considered the first female head coach?
5: I think both are true. Um, you know, we're just days, days past, uh, you know, International Women's Day and recognizing how much work has gone into that, that equality piece and that recognition of uh, what women are out there doing and how hard, how hard we're working to be um, seen in the same vein as, as our male counterparts. And so I think it's still important that I'm recognized as the first female in this particular position. But absolutely, I do want to be seen just as a football coach. Um, I do the same things any other football coach would do on the field. I, I hope some of them I even do better than certain other football coaches on the field. I won't work hard. I'm not working hard. I'm seeking out uh, opportunities to coach and train and, and improve all the time. Um, and I hope that all, all the other football coaches out there are doing the same thing.
3: Football has been dominated by men. That's no secret. So do you think you have to work a little bit harder for credibility?
5: Um, well, The women's game hasn't been around the same sort of level and, and competition as the men's game has been, so it, it is a growing process. Um, do, I, do I have to work harder? Uh, I'm not sure. I am only five years into this gig um, of, of actually coaching football and I'm coaching both men and women when I'm coaching football. And it's just going to take time for, for some women to get recognition for their years of experience and the training that they're doing to be put in those same conversations as, uh, those male counterparts who have been around longer.
3: Claire, what coach or coaches have you looked up to in your time to get to where you are?
5: Um, you know, the, the riot has had some phenomenal coaches throughout my career. Um, and so I give credit to all of those coaches from our day one with the riot, um, all the way through to today. All of those coaches have, have had a lasting impact on me and um, inspired me to be able to step into that coaching role and given me the confidence to start there. Um, I would be remiss in not mentioning Ryan Hall, who was the coach who started the Regina Victorias and then passed that torch on to me to continue um but there have been many coaches those are the ones you know specific to football but my previous basketball coaches um many in the province would recognize the name lisa tomaitis who Mm -hmm. coached me and and taught me a great many things about what it takes to be a high quality coach so um i typically don't like name dropping because i hate forgetting one uh, but there are there are many coaches out there who have been an inspiration for sure
3: so claire dory describe yourself as a coach to uh, my listeners here on the sports cage
5: um i I would hope that i would be described as a dedicated coach a passionate coach and a coach that leads um with a growth mindset and with um with what players can accomplish and giving them that belief in themselves and the skill sets to follow through
3: and of course you can't coach uh, a girls basketball team and then switch hats or helmets and coach a football team without a support system. Cause you've got a young, uh, young daughter at home. I believe Callie's her name. Uh, so maybe give a shout out to your significant other. Cause we always hear this from coaches and, and I, I speak to mostly men coaches, but women coaches too. You got a support system at home.
5: Absolutely. I do. It's a small, but uh, mighty crew. My spouse, Pam is at home uh, with Callie and uh, makes everything possible.
3: All right. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, Best of luck Tuesday in the White Division Senior Girls Championship, your Belford team against Luther. And uh, looking forward to seeing what you can do uh, with a very good football program, the U18 program at the football Sask level. Thanks, Claire.
5: Great. Thanks a lot for having me,
3: Bobby.
2: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
3: And welcome to the Sports Cage on this Monday, Ballsy in the Big Chair, and wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and keep this show rolling. It's the outstanding Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sports Logic joining us here. How are you today, Mike? Hey, I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and I appreciate you coming on. First off, congratulations. I know you just had a baby girl, so that makes two, one of each. They say (laughs) that's the millionaire's family. So is that correct in your case? (laughs) I'd say so. I feel rich.
0: I uh you know, in, in the best way possible, which is not the financial way, although that'd be nice too, but uh couldn't be happier having the the two two beautiful kids, one of each uh, like you said, and feel very lucky every day.
3: Yeah, it uh, changes your life. That's for sure. Uh let's go to the uh Outdoor Classic yesterday, the Heritage Classic. Do we have too many of these outdoor games, Mike?
0: Uh, I think for people like yourself and myself who are watching a lot of them on television, probably uh, they, you know, look, the quality of an outdoor game is less than the quality of an indoor game. You watch the guys, it's harder to handle the puck. More guys are dumping it in. You see players shooting pucks from pretty much everywhere, just trying to get pucks to the net. Um, But yeah, I I do think uh, these games really are for the local market and I've been to a couple, and when you're there, it's incredible. Uh, It's such a great experience. So um, I I don't know that there's too many, because I think in every market, whenever uh, you're a city that gets one, it's an unbelievable experience. But as a viewer – yeah, yeah, it's it's not something I circle on my calendar as a hockey fan, and I'm like, oh, i got to check out this outdoor game today.
3: Yeah, uh, City of Regina had one with Winnipeg and Calgary, and you're definitely right. It really captivated the uh, local audience here in the stadium that usually houses the Rough Riders. Of course, yesterday was at Tim Hortons Field. Now, in that game, Austin Matthews, a dirty little cross-check there on Dali. <laughs> he got two games. Were you surprised at, uh, I think, little the suspension was, or because of a first-time offender, that's pretty well what you thought he'd get?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it'd be a couple of games. I definitely thought it was suspension worthy. And, um, you know, obviously there was intent there to, to make the play because it was a retaliatory play uh, after Darlene had knocked him. Um, I, I'm not surprised it was two games. I think you gave a good reason and that there's no history there to consider. Um, it, you know, it's a pretty vicious hit to cross-check somebody in the, the neck like that side of the head area. Um yeah, but I'm not surprised it was it was two. I think it's an appropriate suspension also.
3: So is he the front, you know, regardless of the suspension, is he the front runner in your mind for the uh, Hart Trophy race and the MVP? I think so. The
0: the, the two guys that I still kind of have above most right now are him and Igor Shosturkin in New York, and I know Shosturkin's had a couple of, of down games recently. Um, I know that especially because he's on my fantasy hockey team.
1: Um
0: <laughs> So I I took a little hit there. He's been so good for me all year. Um, But look, Austin Matthews is is separating himself from a lot of people this season Uh, as an all around player, offensive, sure, but all around as well. um, He's a strong defensive player at five on five. He's great on the walls. He's great recovering pucks, winning battles, uh, having a good defensive stick. And then, of course, he puts the puck in the net like nobody else. And, uh, you know, 45 goals in the season uh, on pace just to put up crazy numbers. And, Uh, for Shesterkin, you know, the Rangers are a below average defensive team. I'm not sure if the average hockey fan knows that, how much they give up, um, and how much he saves their butt so often. So, you know, I I look at the definition for the Hart Trophy pretty literally, the player deemed most valuable to his team. I don't love the definition when we're talking about MVP of the league, but that's what it is. And I think Matthews and Shesterkin right now have the best case of any players in the
3: NHL for that. You're a great follow on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. One of the things you tweeted back on March the 9th, that when the Rangers don't get plus goaltending, they lose more than any other team in the league. Can you expand on that for me?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that I look at just to look at, not necessarily overall goaltending ability, but just more consistency, a proxy for consistency is how often does a team get what I call plus goaltending? So their goaltender saves um, at or above relative to the expected goals against, which is just goal probability in the game. If you really wanted to do it in a simple way, it's kind of like looking at how often does a team get, you know, 900 uh, save percentage goaltending or better. Well, this is a little more um, exact in terms of the isolated goaltending impact, because we're looking at the difference between expected goals against, which factors in shot quality uh, and the actual goals that the, the goalie allows. So, Long story short, how often do the Rangers uh, get what I call plus goaltending and how often do they not? Well, they get it more than any team in the league. And like you said, when they don't get a goaltender having what we would say is a, a good game or an above average game, their win percentage is the worst of any team in the league. So if we're talking about MVP, most valuable to your team, um, that's where Fermisha Sturkin has such an excellent case because... The Rangers are bottom 10 in expected goals against. That's a reflection of team defense. They allow the second most scoring chances off the rush of any team. Like I said, they're, they're a, a below average defensive team. Um, and yet, you know, at, before the last couple of games, I haven't checked in the last couple of days, they were third in the league in goals against average. Mm-hmm. They have a 670 points percentage. They're, they have elite team numbers. Um, and that's him carrying most of the weight.
3: Leaf should be concerned about their goaltending, shouldn't they? At Leaf fans, I know are.
0: Yeah, they should be really concerned. Um, this isn't a week. This isn't a couple of weeks. This is more than a couple of months. You go back to January the first, just to pick a, a nice round date. There, um, they have the worst goaltending in the NHL. That's two and a half months. Um, so. You know, again, in a way to isolate goaltending from team defense, because I think a lot of people are asking that question. Are we, are we, you know, if you're a Leaf fan, are we bad defensively? Is it our goaltending? Is it both? Um, Toronto's an above-average defensive team. In the last month, they're fourth in expected goals against. That's, again, the reflection of the shots, the volume, the quality that you're allowing. Uh, the goaltending... Is, has been the worst in the league. It's costing them about a goal a game more than it should based on what the team allows in terms of shots and quality and, ex- and those kind of things that I talked about. So, yeah, they've, they've got a real problem. Um, Jack Campbell kind of fell off, and you know now he's out injured, and how much of that was the injury? How much of it is the mental side? It's impossible to know for sure. Um, and then Peter Morazic has not been able to get the job done at all uh, he, he's been one of the, the worst goaltenders in the NHL this season. So Campbell will come back, and now we find out was it injury related? Was it something on the mental side? Has he been able to find his game? And if he comes back and plays like he did at the start of the year, where he's one of the best goalies in the league the first couple of months, then they've got no problem because they are a good defensive team, and we know that they can score. That's a huge question mark, and nobody has an answer for it.
3: Mike Kelly joining us here from the NHL uh, Network. So, Mike, another one you tweeted out I, I loved. Goals by line for 20 minutes at even strength with a minimum of 200 minutes. And in the top five, Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, the Calgary Flames at 1.6. Uh, that line is really making things go for Calgary.
0: Oh, man. They, they are so much fun to watch. Um yeah, so per 20 minutes, the reason I use that in terms of a rate is just because that line has played together so much more than any other line in the league this season. You know, a lot of teams, will have of their shuffle lines for different reasons, a player or two will be injured. Um, that line has been relatively healthy and together all year, I think with the exception of half a game at one point. Um, so, So just in terms of raw goal totals, they're blowing everyone out of the water. But part of that is because they've been together so much. Mm-hmm. So, even if you look at it, you know, per 20 minutes to level things out a little bit, they're still an elite line in the NHL. Um, And they just got such a great mix of everything. Johnny Gaudreau is, you know, we know what he is. He's a skilled possession um, playmaker who gets chances on the rush as well and can score. Matthew Kachuk, so great in front of the net, so great below the goal line. Uh, And Elias Lindholm, man, so we know that he's centering one of the best lines in the league. Where is he in terms of this season of being one of the best centers in the NHL? Because he, he definitely is. And he probably doesn't get talked about um, in that light as much as he should. So that, that's one of the things with that line that they do so well is work the puck below the goal line. And a lot of times it'll be who will kind of pop out in the slot, get a one-timer. Um, but, man, they are so much fun to watch. And uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about Elias Linholm as well for the season he's having defensively and offensively. Uh, For me, he is top three Selkie right now, no question.
3: Mike, uh, a big night for Regina's own Cole Sillinger, the son of Mike Sillinger. He had three goals last night, a 6-4 Columbus win over Vegas. I don't know how much you get to watch him. I know you you watch a lot of different teams. Columbus isn't really the top of anyone's radar, but there's a young kid that I'm interested to see how he develops. My son played with him back here in Regina, and he was a little bit younger than my son, kind of a call-up in Bantam A, yeah. and that kid, is uh, he's been good since I laid my eyes on him.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, he's he's somebody that I was working uh, earlier in the season, uh, the NHL Network doing a show, and um, I'm watching Columbus play. I was like, man, this, this kid looks really good. This kid looks really good. Um, you know, start to watch him a little bit more, and uh, the, the guy is showing pretty good touch in terms of goal scoring, uh, certainly. And, and, you know, he, he's done that. But at the NHL level, you always wait and see a little bit of, how long will it take somebody to adapt or or find, you know, their game, whatever their game is. Right. And he's been, he's been great. He's been so much fun to watch. You know, he's shown an ability at 18, which is impressive to get in front of the net and to get to the contested areas on the ice uh, and produce shots. And that's such a big thing in the NHL because, you know, when you're younger, especially if you're an elite player, if you've got a really good shot, you could probably score from some different areas It's harder to do in the NHL. There's a reason that half the goals in the league are scored from a pretty small net front area. And, you know, he's somebody that's shown already at an elite rate. He can get pucks in the slot, uh, put them on net, Um, the inner slot as well, that that net front area where half the goals in the league are scored. um, He's getting there at a high rate already as well. So, you know, more games in the league, more experience. Uh, This is going to be a really exciting kid to watch for sure.
3: Mike Kelly is a hockey analyst, and this guy here <laughs> he makes analytics, which sometimes can be boring, pretty exciting and interesting. Thanks for this, Mike. You can follow him at Mike Kelly NHL. Thanks. Have a great day. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the young family. All right, will do. Thank you very much, and we'll chat soon.
2: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Roughriders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM,
3: and watch for us live from Mosaic Stadium later. This week, yes, the sports cage hitting the road again. They're letting us out of the cage. Time now for our sports ticker, which is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Lots going on in the world of sports. It's almost suffocating, in a good way, if you're a sports fan. NFL, Teddy Bridgewater expected to sign as Tua's backup in Miami, although I would say Tua's starting role With the Dolphins is still tenuous at best Mitch Trubisky the quarterback that was picked highly by the Bears then played in Buffalo last year behind Josh Allen is signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers so right here on the sports cage I would like to personally congratulate the Cincinnati Bengals on winning the AFC North once again and maybe the Ravens getting the wild card because the uh, Steelers aren't winning it neither are the Browns not if uh, Baker Mayfield's quarterbacking. We'll talk more about the Browns and what they've been doing uh, in this offseason after 5 o'clock in our segment. How about golf? The PGA's player championship. Weather constraints through the whole uh, weekend forced them to play the final round today, and they just got done there in Florida. And, uh, oh, I'll tell you what, man, you, you got to check out Cameron Smith. This dude is getting interviewed right now by Mike Tarico. He has the sweetest mustache and a mullet to go with it. Like it is, he looks like 1985 golfer right there looking real good. Like a young John Daly before he found beer and hot dogs. So there you go. There is Cameron. And and I know Abby, I welcome you in here before we get to Wavel Star, our next guest, like
6: Oh, it's excellent. Isn't that excellent? Oh, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> like, it's, it's dirty, but it's good. Like,
3: I know you have a, you have a, you're very thin on top, and so am I. So, we're envious of anybody <laughs> that can grow hair. How about uh, that Hadwin dude? He jumped up to ninth, like a ninth place finish. Now, I don't know what he would have gained
6: money wise, but you were saying easily a hundred grand. Oh, gotta be. I mean, he was not even in the mix, and all of a sudden he was mm. one stroke out yeah. off of the lead, and it was like, where did Adam Had come from? Mm-hmm. I think he shot minus five or six on the day today, one of the best rounds, so mm-hmm. good for him and mm-hmm. good paycheck. Austin Matthews gets a two-game suspension for jumping off his feet and
3: viciously cross-checking Rasmus Dahlin, the Sabres defenseman, in that outdoor classic at Tim Hortons Field. A game the Sabres would win 5-2. to two. As you heard from Mike Kelly, the NHL Network uh, still is uh, odds-on favorite to become the Uh, hard MVP. Peter Marazic, the goalie for the Leafs. I'll I'll use goalie lightly. He had more holes in him than the ones you find in a donut box. He was looking pretty bad. And uh, there was a trade in the NHL today. Josh Manson, defenseman, son of Dave Manson, who's the Oilers' assistant coach. He goes to the Avalanche in exchange for Drew Hellison and a 2023 second round pick. Like I said, so many things going on in the world of sports. And one of them... uh, goes to the sports entertainment world or comes to us from the sports entertainment world. And that would be Scott Hall, who is known to a lot of wrestling fans as Razor Ramon. Now this guy treated his body like an amusement park for a lot of his life. He uh, nearly died because of substance abuse. Then Diamond Dallas Page, another famous wrestler uh, brought him along and revived him with DDP yoga and really got his life on track. He's been, um, recently inducted for the second time into the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, last weekend, end of last week, he went in for hip surgery, because obviously he nicked up with wrestling, big time. Um, and there was a blood clot situation there, and he had three heart attacks in a row. Now, uh, Kevin Nash, his buddy, uh, said, hey, the family's getting together, they're taking him off life support. I've been checking Twitter. He hasn't passed away yet. He's still holding on. And I could talk from experience as a guy whose mom was given minutes to live last February on life support. They took her off, and I just visited her today before I came to the show. So he's not done yet. But uh, things don't look good for Scott Hall. But it's time now to uh, get a local angle to this. And this is a guy that I've wrestled myself a couple of times and with once. Uh, <laughs> w- Wavel Star, who is uh, known in the indie circles and did have a cup of coffee in the WWF slash WWE. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks for joining me, Wavel, Former Regina Ram as well. Uh, that's my first question before we get to some serious <laughs> stuff. What's tougher, wrestling or football?
7: Ah, uh, it's 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 hard to say honestly. You can't uh, discredit the physical toughness of football and the element of not knowing what's going to happen uh, in wrestling. Um, of course, it's very very physical, uh, but in this, in a sense, everybody knows now that you kind of have an idea of how things are going to go. Um, so there is a little bit. It's a little bit easier to plan, and and you kind of have an idea of what's coming up. Whereas in, in football, you know that's all it's a wild card you yeah. never know what's going to happen and injuries and all that kind of thing and you know all about that and so do I eh?
3: yeah Hey, <laughs> at Wavell in today's politically correct world yes, can sir. you go with First Nation Sensation which is was your moniker for a long time
7: uh yeah, yeah, I can. I I have absolutely no no problems using that. I've been using that uh my entire career and actually the term First Nation still hasn't um gotten fallen out of favor in terms of being politically correct. I know that the term Indigenous uh is used more often, but that's used to uh, also refer to uh Métis and Inuit. Uh, So First Nation is still fine. And of course, First Nation sensation has always worked because it rhymes.
3: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. And uh, man, you are twisted steel and sex appeal. But that's something (laughs) I wanted to talk about. You and I have talked about this before in a different avenue, but I wanted to talk on these airwaves. So for somebody that's white like me... um, and I want to refer to, uh, to an Aboriginal person. Do I say Indigenous? Yep. Like, what's the, what's the safe term that I can use without offending anybody? Because to be honest, I never know in today's day and age what I should say or what I shouldn't say.
7: Right, right. Yeah, it is kind of touchy. And it's good that you're asking. I'm glad that you're asking. Uh, Indigenous is fairly safe. Um, uh, some people may prefer First Nations uh, or, or to be more specific, some may prefer, like, for instance, um, Cree and Dakota. Um, but I think you'd be pretty safe uh, with with uh, with Indigenous if you were looking to uh, refer to him uh, that way.
3: Now you do a great job playing a heel. You really do. You you ham the crowd up, and that's that is something developed over the years. Yep. How much? How much did you look up? And he's not dead yet. But how much have you looked up to Scott Hall? And hopefully he can come out of this. To Scott Hall to Razor Ramon. This guy was big for a couple of reasons. I think number one. NWO if you remember back in the day he was part of one of the biggest gimmicks this wrestling world has ever seen when he, uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan did the whole uh, uh, heel yep. turn at Summer Summer. Uh, what was it called? The Bash at the Beach in 1996, yes. I want to say. Anyway, that's really got the wars going between WCW and then WWF. And Absolutely. of course, as Razor Ramon, he made being a heel cool, in my opinion. Just your thoughts. He sure did. He sure did. You know, and that
7: brought in a new generation if you remember, you think back to NWO, um, they were supposed to be the invaders and they were supposed to be the outlaws, but they had this really cool edge to them, uh, and that was absolutely because of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, and they created an era of uh, I guess what they call the cool heel and of course, uh, at that time I was younger and uh, was I thought that that was the coolest thing ever, you know and so many of us wanted to go out there and just act like Diesel and, and Razor Ramon or, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, NWO, to, to just go out there and, and be that cool because, uh, you know, traditionally up to that point, the bad guys, you know, Archie the Stomper Goldie, the Cuban Assassin, guys would boo them. Right, whereas you see the NWO now, they're coming to the ring. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, they're wearing the black. Uh, they're getting cheered. They're starting to look at. They're starting to get looked at as being cool. So they certainly changed uh, the the business quite a bit. And honestly, it was a little tough during that era to go out there and work as a straight babyface. You know, like you're going out there and you're trying to be the First Nation sensation Wavel star in Moose Jaw or Calgary or whatever it is, and you're just trying to be the straight babyface, but people want to see this cool heel, right? Because he had that aura of being like, you know, a rock star. Mm -hmm. And and of course he did, and that was, uh, you know, part of the character was the fact that it was real. They talk about, uh, you know, the best characters in professional wrestling are the ones that are almost close to uh, what the person is like and unfortunately, um, you know, it, like that was probably, well, that was the case with, with Scott Hall. And-
3: well, the thing with that, though, the thing with that, Wavell, is sometimes, it's yeah. like these actors, a lot of these actors are messed up people because they go from one role to the other role, they gain weight, they lose weight, they're never really, I'm just throwing out a name, they're never really yeah. Russell Crowe, they're this guy, then they're that guy, right. then they're this guy, and, and they never are really Russell Crowe and that could be the thing too with you uh in wrestling like you're you're absolutely. you're a star to the ring but you gotta kind of those guys when they get that big they gotta kind of keep that persona especially when it was a secret of business
7: yes I, I absolutely back then when, when it was a secret of business and it was called K Fabe, they weren't allowed to talk about uh the inner workings but of course now now we do talk about it and uh yeah you know you, you, you think back about that era and, uh, during that time, WCW actually took over, uh, the Monday night ratings war and they were beating WWE because that, that, that Monday night war happened because it was Ted Turner versus Vince McMahon. Make no mistake about it. That, mm-hmm. that was two alpha males that, that just wanted to step on each other's toes and they were willing to, you know, Ted Turner was willing to spend a whole bunch of money and he actually won that war for quite a while. Uh, eventually, uh, WWE took that spot back. And, uh, of course, um, uh WCW was taken over by what is it AOL Time Warner and yeah. they weren't willing they weren't willing to keep operating on you know to just break even or whatever so they sold it and a lot of those guys ended up like Kevin Nash I know was sitting at home collecting a big paycheck for quite a while uh before he even did anything so well, during did, that time did those WCW, two
3: guys, did those two guys change the wrestling business Nash and Hall in terms of uh bigger paychecks yes. and long long term deals well, guaranteed contracts is Yeah.
7: kind of what, is, is what according to the, the folks before me, like you listen yeah. to Jim Cornette, of course, one of my biggest mentors, uh, in his opinion, uh, the, the Hall and Nash brought about those guaranteed contracts and that absolutely flipped the business, uh, you know, upside down because now, you know, people were getting paid the same thing regardless of if they, you know, sold one ticket to their girlfriend yeah. or, you know. 50,000 to the, you know, yeah. Miami Miami or whatever it was. So in his opinion uh and and of course uh, you can see how that 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 would affected that certainly did affect a lot. Now uh a lot of good things have come out of the business uh since those old times as well. You you don't see the same corporate culture in wrestling now uh that you saw during, you know, the heyday of, of Scott Hall and uh, and Kevin Nash yeah. and, and 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 I think there don't get me wrong that that is a good thing. Um, I, I don't think uh, – one of the bad things that, that the business lost out on was uh, the larger-than-life characters. Um, but, like
3: Razor Ramon. Like a Razor Ramon.
7: Like Razor Ramon. But but one of the negatives of all, all of those things, uh, Ballsy, when when I think back to, to wrestling, you know, I liked Razor Ramon, j uh, b Boy Smith, uh, Brian Pillman.
1: Mm.
7: What do they have in common? You know, Road Warrior Animal Ro- – sorry, Road, Road Warrior Hawk. You know they they all lived that lifestyle because you know growing up as a kid in Saskatchewan, Bolsey, as a Regina Ram, you know I didn't you like walking past the line at Lauderdale's or yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah so, so so that's just in a little that's just a little speck uh, I, 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 that's just a little example of that. Now imagine if you were Scott Hall during that time. Uh, imagine the life the the doors. Uh, that you would be, you know, that that, that would be presented to you. Because me, even, like I said, I I, I didn't get anywhere near the highs at Scott Hall. Um, But in terms of doors that were open to me because of my involvement in wrestling, uh, I tell you there's there's nothing like it you just uh, whether or not you know, sometimes i I got treated like I was uh like a, like I was a superstar for for several years nice. and it's a good thing people didn't actually see my my bank statement
3: <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing that's the thing too that's a very good point because a lot of guys look at the Nashes and the halls and the Hogans and the savages and those kind of guys and think okay well everybody's rich everybody makes bank, but you're not I've wrestled I know in the like we're're right. we're, we're in a small little like kitchen area at the Queensbury, and one one guy right. blows his knee out at a wrestling event and he's got his leg up on a chair because he doesn't want to show anybody, you know, he's got to sit back yep. there the whole time. That's how that's how it is. I wanted to bring this up before I let you go because we talked at the start of this interview about football and wrestling Wavelstar, Star. Um, yes, what I find interesting, when I watch the old videos of Razor Ramon, for instance, uh, just because he's top of mind, and he does the razor's edge, he puts the other guy back on his back, the back of their heads are touching, and it's almost yeah. like a, a, a pile driver from the shoulder on the ground it's an art form to do that and not hurt the other guy that is right that that is a great art form
7: absolutely and and that was if you look at that like it, it, it's a devastating looking move but you don't hear stories about people that get hurt when they take that move because ultimately when you look at the move they, they are way up in the air but they he is landing them safely uh, on their back uh, and at least not too high on their neck where it's going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. So that that was the cool thing about Razor Ramon, whereas you see a lot of the, the new moves nowadays they don't look as devastating as what he did, and they hurt like four times as more. <laughs> wow, that's the problem.
3: Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, Wavel, we'll have you on again. Hopefully, we're talking about a rebound with Scott Hall. But I was glad you could come on and talk to us and put a local angle onto it. Uh, this is a Wavel star, my old Ram teammate, a great local wrestler and a good community guy. Uh, you're welcome on the show anytime, Wavel. Thanks for this, buddy.
7: Thanks a lot, Balzi. Take care. And I just wanted to remind you that I am still 100% intending on uh, organizing this wrestling show to celebrate Canada Day. As, you, as I mm-hmm. mentioned in the past, mm-hmm. uh, my own personal work towards reconciliation is going to uh, uh, start with uh, planning this show. So we're going to be putting on a show at the Gathering Place on Canada Day. And, of course, I will be in touch with you. Yeah, count me in. And we will get things happening. Count me me Balzy.
3: Count, count the sports cage in. For sure, we'd love to help out. Thanks, Wavell. Take care, my friend. Take care. Talk soon. Bye-bye. We're going to take a break and be back with more sports on the other side of the news, including an interview with a guy who's going to be taking part in a Combine for the CFL Draft this weekend, Mason Nias, quarterback of the U of S Huskies
2: from Regina. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the Sports Cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. And we're
3: called the source for a reason, your source for sports. Michael Ball sitting in the chair today. On the other side of the glass, our program director, Abby White, who's leading the charge on the other side because Sean Kleisinger taking some holidays to be with his family. Son had a little bit of a medical issue last week, but things are uh, pointing in the right direction, so he'll be pretty happy about that. He won't be happy about one of the things about to mention in sports. Uh, hey, yeah, when we're talking sports here, this segment brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. And I'm going to admit, I drive past Nick Service every day. Great place. I have no idea what I just read because I'm I'm an urbanite, Abby. I don't really. I know I know what a Massey Ferguson. Like, I know what they are, but I have no idea. I couldn't tell you the difference. Go
6: take one for a test
3: drive. I think I should. I think I'd drive it up the service road there right out of the parking lot at Nick's service there in Emerald Park. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little sports here. Did you, are, you're a curling guy. You like curling. Absolutely, yeah. Would you agree with me? I'd uh Catelyn Schneider on earlier. His team lost to Gushu, one of the teams that lost to the three-man rink. With that in mind, that's the greatest Breyer performance ever. Is it
6: not? It was. And honestly, uh, for anybody that watched uh, any of the curling this week, there was some unbelievable Mm -hmm. matches. That Dunstone-Cooey match earlier in the week was, they were both lights out. Both teams played at the top of their game. It was really fun to and watch. And
3: Colton Flash's rink with Schneider. Oh. They were great,
6: too. Yeah, no, they, they were all in it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for Gushu I can't even imagine, because if you've ever curled before, mm-hmm. uh, it's very physically demanding. So it when is. you're down a guy... <laughs> wow. And all the extra sweeping that you've you know, got to do, you don't get in a break... You know,
3: if, On Sunday, on Sunday, Abby, the two games he had to have, he curled 94% and 93%. Now, I know he had great teammates to help him. And that was really the difference in that game. Now, I'm not a curling guy, but Cooey had to bail his team out. Those guys weren't making shots. And, and the other guys, Gushu's team, they seemed three-man unit. They were in unison. They knew what they were doing. They were all on the same
6: page. It was outstanding. Yeah, they were lights out. And again, they make it look so easy. Yeah, don't they? Like, you watch, he's making shots that are not easy shots at all. You know what
3: else is underrated, buddy? I'll tell you this right now. As a guy that sits in a broadcasting chair and and you as well, you probably appreciated this too, but they don't get talked about enough. Vic Router and Russ Howard fit their sport perfectly. They are They're right there with the best broadcasting tandems in sports, and I don't care what sport it is. I'm not talking comparing the popularity like Aikman and Buck, Buck and Aikman for the NFL, but I'm talking they fit their sport perfectly. They know when to let
6: the other guy talk, let the game breathe. It's, It's outstanding. Yeah, their pace, like, you know, in my role, obviously, when you're working with announcers yeah. and stuff, you want to make sure they got good pace and, yeah. and people can understand what they're saying, and those guys yeah. are so good at what they do.
3: Yeah, we'll talk about my pacing after the show. <laughs> uh, the Buffalo Sabres and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Heritage Classic yesterday. It was uh, the Leafs losing 5-2. to Now, in that game, Austin Matthews, a dirty cross-check on Rasmus Dalit. He's got a two-game suspension for it. Now, the attendance at the old donut shop, Tim Hortons Field, was uh, 26100 119, but did you know, not an attendance record, the Great Cup at 26,324. My question to you, do we have too many of these games? I think we do. I do too. I, I think they're just, I think they're like, they're trying to kill a good thing.
6: Yeah, I, I thought they were special, right? When they first yeah. happened, they were a special thing. You mm-hmm. got them once, maybe twice a season, and now it feels like they're every kind of couple of months. And I know they're trying to work them through different markets, but again, it just doesn't feel like it has that, you know, being feel of special anymore who's your hockey team uh, i know you're an oilers fan you're so flames. i'm, I'm going to say flames yeah, yeah. you're a flames
3: guy yeah okay Oh, <laughs> um, well, that's fine they're playing great the leafs goaltending might be hmm. worse than my oilers goaltending jack campbell was plus 500 to win the vesna which was the best odds january 5th he's at like plus 1400 now he didn't play yesterday it was mirazek who like i said had more holes in him than uh, donuts you find in the in the
6: donut box uh, it they're oh the uh, Crazy, what's going on with the Leafs? So, a friend of mine from uh, Central Alberta, mm-hmm. their uh, nephew is Peyton Krebs. Okay, yeah, cool. And Peyton scored two goals yesterday, so they were pretty excited about uh, how not well Morazic was playing. <laughs> That's good. Hey, we didn't mention
3: this yet, and we should. The Regina Pats are now within two points of eighth and final playoff spot, thanks to a convincing 4-1 win over the Hitmen on Saturday night. The night before, both games you heard right here on uh, 620 CKRM with Dante DeCaria. They beat uh, Lethbridge 4-3, but what a thing for Connor Bedard. He surpassed the 100 point milestone in his WHL career, one year
6: to the day of making his junior hockey debut, the dude's 16. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, he's unbelievable. And honestly, there he's not the only young kid that is turning heads in the WHL right now. No. You know, that uh Jagger kid or Jagger, yeah, 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 he yeah. is fantastic as yeah, well. Yeah. Like in the next couple of years, we got some great hockey like within 40 minutes here.
3: Well, you better, you're absolutely right. And I know uh, I, we're not going to tell people and get on their case for not buying tickets because we, we don't buy tickets. We get to go to the game. Usually we're working in that capacity. But get out and watch uh, the best junior hockey. And you mentioned two of them. Two of the best junior hockey players in the world are 40 minutes apart in the most heated rivalry in uh, amateur hockey. Logan Nyhoff will join us before the end of the show to talk about that and possibly his last 15 games in a Pats jersey. I also wanted to mention our sports cage clutch performer where we recognize a guy who is clutch. How about Cole Sillinger, the 18-year-old Regina kid, son of Mike Sillinger? He scored the Hattie yesterday in a 6-4 win Columbus over Vegas. You heard us talking earlier with Mike Kelly uh, of the NHL network. Uh, The kid is 18, but he goes to the gritty areas like his dad used to do to score the goals. I think he has a little more offensive talent than suitcase Sillinger did.
6: Yeah, he had a great game, and yeah, the future is bright for that kid, no question.
3: Uh, Abby, my San Diego Padres cannot have anything nice. They're not allowed to. It's not allowed. Uh, Fernando Tatis, one of the flashiest guys in baseball. He's great for the game. Outstanding shortstop. He hit 42 homers last year with a wonky shoulder, okay? Well, he broke his wrist, and he's out three months. Oh, no. Like, could it get any worse? Could it get any worse? Uh, there's one game in the NHL tonight. The Coyotes at the Senators. That's the lone game.
6: Barnburner.
3: Uh, yeah. No kidding, man. No. That is quite potentially... That's <laughs> awful. And, like, honestly, I haven't got your comments on this. The Coyotes are going to... Can you imagine in a couple of years... Say the Coyotes build the great hockey team. And suppose they go to the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup's going to be held at ASU Rink, where they
6: seat 5,000. Like what is Batman doing there? Uh, there's obviously got to more be more to the story cuz I Also, I'm not 100% sure what's going on. I mean, the atmosphere will be amazing, and all the Canadians that are down there are going to get to watch great hockey. And to be honest, there's some really good young kids on that uh, Arizona team there. So, I mean, they're probably going to end up with Bedard, really.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And maybe we'll have an extra reason to cheer for them. And Josh Manson, the son of Dave Manson, who's an assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers, he has been traded by the Ducks to the Avalanche in exchange for Drew Allison, a defenseman, and a 2023 second-rounder. And Abby. 620 CKRM is your official cornhole station. We are, we are the cornhole guys. They're going to give us, they're going to give us cornhole updates, and I'm working on a special, nice little prize pack that is going to be sports cage tied in. It won't be a done deal to you and I talk, but they are they're loving the fact we're talking about cornhole. This is like this is the biggest game. Oh, like out, like in front of NFL stadiums, or when I went to watch my son in Grand Forks, even in the snow, they had the cornhole game set up. They broadcast it on ESPN. It's crazy. The Canadian cornhole championship is coming to Regina in August, but anybody's encouraged to go down to the Hungarian club every Friday night. So, um, it's time for the update for the weekend action. The CCL regional tourney, they call it Holio, as it were, saw 12-year-old Presley uh, Bam just falling short of Jennifer Ann in women's singles. Congrats to all the winners, Glenn and Louie in mixed doubles. We had Jen and Amber in women's doubles. Parker Krenzey Krenz in open singles and Demera and Krenz in mixed doubles. Now you can follow the Cornhole League on Facebook for dates to come to uh, try the game out. Anyone can play, anyone can win. They have like uh, you can go there. They call it the airmail. So you, what it is, you throw the you throw the bag, and you can't hit the side. Like it's got to be airmailed right in, and you can win money. Like you like and I, can, you and I can go for a couple of drinks, Abby, wear our Charlie Sheen shirts, and we
6: can clean up. I think we should do that one Friday night. Hey, I'm a big fan of of cornhole. I call them beanbags because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know I'm immature, obviously. <laughs> but it's it's so much fun. It really is a great game with friends, and it takes zero like talent, really. Maybe yeah. a little bit, yeah. obviously. But don't tell Suter it, it, that you don't have to be. You know, I don't have to hit the gym to play cornhole.
3: That's right. But Suter's a big cornhole guy. In fact, he told me when he heard we were having him on last week, because I did have him on for a brief uh, spot. They, uh, He said he's going to come and play. Like, on a, If he has a free time on a Friday night, he said you, me, and him should go over to the Hungarian club on a Friday night and play because he kicks butt in Nashville, I guess.
6: Well, I just picture us now getting like custom you yeah, know, we got jerseys it. made up and we got it. some entrance music and away we go.
3: There you go. Boom. Chaka chaka. There we go. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, uh, we have our big salesman in the building, Perry Nice. Well, his son Mason from Regina is a quarterback for the U of S Huskies. Took them to the Vanier Cup where they lost to Western. He's involved in the Western Regional Combine in Edmonton this weekend. We'll catch up with him on the Western Pizza Hotline. This is Sports Cage on a Monday on 620 CKRM.
2: The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
3: Alright, speaking with Mason Nias. Okay, uh, Mason Montana. Uh, let's go back to last season there, buddy, and talk about uh, the season that was. Uh, didn't end exactly how you wanted, but uh, just get some thoughts on uh, on a nice Vanier Cup run.
8: Yeah, no, obviously it was, a, it was a, overall, looking back on it, it was obviously a successful year. Um, we had a good run, obviously. Uh, some big wins there in the Hardy Cup and the UTech Bowl. Didn't finish how we liked, but... Uh, we have some things to build on and hopefully we can be back in the game next year and uh, hopefully it'll end up a little different.
3: But pick out a couple of good memories from your eyes on the season, just, you know, whether there are a couple of plays or a couple of moments that you'll always remember.
8: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the first one that kind of comes to mind is uh, that last drive in the Tech Bowl against Montreal. Um, those are kind of the drives you you dream about as a kid. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was just such a fun experience with the fans there and, it was such a loud crowd, so obviously that one sticks out a lot. And um you know what? O- outside of that one, it's mostly just just kind of the moments with your friends, that in the locker room, hanging out, doing all those sorts of things. and so that that's partly why football is so fun. It's right? that team camaraderie and atmosphere. So uh, I would say the Montreal game, last two minutes, and then uh, just fun times with friends.
3: What was the best thing you did last year? What are you most proud of as quarterback at the U of the US Huskies?
8: I think just being uh productive through the air. I think the the biggest one I'd say is probably my T D intercessor. So um, I think I, I put the ball in the end zone a lot more than I did in twenty nineteen and then I also protect the ball a lot more in twenty twenty one than I did in twenty nineteen. So definitely those are kind of the, the things I'm most proud of. Uh definitely wanna you know, uh Sustained drives a bit better than we did this year. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job, but definitely can get a lot better. Uh, mm-hmm. Get up near 70% completion percentage is obviously a, a big goal of mine. I know it's uh, it's tough, but definitely want to get there, and I think uh, doing so will help our team uh, be a lot more successful.
3: Now, I want to talk to you about the combine, the real reason why I called you, but to just to wrap up the team uh, talk, do you feel like your team, at least as we talk right now in March, is on good footing to repeat and have a chance to get back to that Vanier Cup?
8: Yeah, obviously uh, every game in the Count West is a dogfight. Every team's going to be good. uh and i fully expect nothing less this year but yeah i definitely think we're gonna have a really good team uh we get a lot of guys back uh depending on how the combine goes obviously in the draft we'll see who who's back from that group but i have full confidence in all the guys that i know will be back for sure and uh we're gonna have to be guys step up and i think the Cal West fans will hear some new names that uh they'd be pretty excited about so it should be fun
3: well they're used to this name mason nice you're going to the regional combine in edmonton what are your
8: expectations of that um. Honestly, I don't know if I really want to give any expectations for se. I'm just going to go out there, have some fun. I get to go out with a good buddy or kicker, David Silly. He's going to gonna give a shout-out to Dave. He's going to test really well, honestly. He's a pretty athletic guy. So I get to go out with him, have a good weekend, go out there, throw the ball around a bit, meet some new guys from around the county West that you haven't really necessarily met before you compete against. But uh, it'll be nice to just put some faces to some names and say hi to some guys and just have fun and kind of let the, the chips fall where they may. I'm, I'm
3: flabbergasted because you're, I know you're a laid back kid. Every guy I talked to is like, I've been training for this. I've been specifically training for this. Like I was, uh, my next question was going to be, is there one event or one thing that you're concentrating on? albeit bench press or anything like that. But it seems to me like you're just going in with a really laid back approach.
8: Yeah, no. Um, obviously I've been training, uh, since what was it? Early January, mid January, kinda of when we got back from Christmas. We've all been training with Ignite so all the guys that are at the combine from the US are all with Ignite. And um yeah, it's been obviously super fun. It's a super competitive group. We have some, some guys that I'm expecting are gonna go pretty high in the draft. No one's there. Nathan Cherry, Riley Pickett, uh, Adam Macart, just a lot of a lot of big names obviously in the draft that hopefully you'll hear pretty early on draft day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's been super fun and super competitive. Obviously, you have to really grind to kind of meet those guys' numbers. They, uh, they they're gonna all test really well, so dude. D-
3: enough, 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 enough. I'm I'm cutting you off here. Part of this is Mason. You gotta. You're going into this as one of only four quarterbacks, either at regional or national combine, to be invited to this thing as a quarterback, the most position, uh, important position in football. I don't care what country. I don't care what level. It is the most important position. Is part of your... Now, I know you're a laid-back guy. You're That's part of you being a great leader, Mason. I know you well from grade 10 on. But is part of it that mentality i get a, I get a sense like you're like i'm gonna do my best i've worked out hard but i also know it's a real long shot for a quarterback to get a serious look am i right when i say that because that's how i feel listening to you
8: oh 100 if you like if you like obviously i'm gonna go out there with the intent of hopefully getting drafted and hopefully getting to a team in camp but you you gotta have realistic expectations i'm going out there to playing the rock to the best of my abilities and that's really all I can control. So I just control what I can control. That's really about it.
3: Yeah, doesn't it tick you off though? Doesn't that tick you off that the quarterback isn't really an entity, which is ridiculous. Can you imagine Mason only inviting four quarterbacks to a combine in the NFL?
8: No, of course not. And yeah, it's obviously um, it's a a big issue and it's a hot button topic with a lot of people in the league, right? And a lot of fans trying to get homegrown fans and it kind of makes me sure reflect back on some guys like Adam Sinagra and Noah Picton. I know Sinagra obviously had Crichton winner. Van Cup MVP, M V Cup champion. He didn't uh he didn't really get drafted. He uh I think he got picked up for a camp I wanna say. Yeah. And I think he got released before he got there. And then Noah Picton obviously had cried winner. Super talented guy. Uh just a really good dude honestly too. Uh he didn't get drafted. Got to go to tr- camp with Toronto, I wanna say, was there for about a week or two and got cut as well. So it's one of those things, like, both those guys, I think, are elite talents and could be playing professional football, no doubt, in my mind.
3: Are you an elite talent? Can you play professional football?
8: I believe I can play professional football. It's not my decision to say if I'm an elite talent or not. That's for other people, uh talent evaluator. So I'm not going to say that, obviously. I know what I can do, and I'm confident in my abilities, though.
3: Do you think that you'll turn enough heads to maybe get a national invite and turn enough heads to... To, to warrant a spot at least in a training camp somewhere.
8: Um I think I have the ability to. It's more or less whether uh others see that or not. I I one thing I kind of know about myself as a quarterback, I have have good arm strength. I know I can make the throws that need to be made. I know I'm accurate. Um one thing I do think I have that lots of other people don't is just I I've really good tangible So I'm a good leader. I'm a smart guy. I watch a lot of film. I process information very fast and make good decisions. So it's hard for talent evaluators to see that at a regional combine for 10 hours when you're not meeting with guys, right? So it's one of those things you kind of have to, people have to talk to you, have to meet with you, and uh, kind of get to know you better to really see what I can bring to the table.
3: You uh, are very happy that you went to the U of S. You, you're going to finish with two degrees. You got this team to a Vanier cup. And and like you said, hopefully next year you get over the, over the hill top. But do you believe that if Mason Nias from Lakewood, Regina went to even just south of the border, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, something like that, and was throwing the football around, that he'd be a no doubter to get to get looked at. Like isn't that that is to me as a guy on the outside looking in that has a kid playing in the states, that is frustrating cuz Nias can throw the ball north of the 49th and he can throw it south of the 49th. It's just like 8 hours difference, you're perceived to be a different player. That's how I feel anyway.
8: No, I, and I don't think you're you're off at all. I think that's pretty accurate and I think that's obviously a lot of people don't talk about that stuff, but like I think behind closed doors a lot of people feel that way for sure and um you know, like once again like i think i'd have a much better shot i'd be ranked higher for sure if i would went to wherever you want to say north dakota south Dakota, wherever you want to wherever you want to mention and same thing i mentioned with the guys i said previously like uh Senagra picked him. if they're playing at wherever you want to say rutgers randomly for a school mind, they're yeah. they're definitely going in the draft there's no doubt about it and you see with guys like Nathan, Nathan Rourke, I believe is the name, at yeah. BC. Yeah. He's a very talented quarterback, 100%. It, all, it's just, I, it would just be curious if he got the recognition he did if he went to U of A. You know what I mean? So it's its one of those things that uh, obviously he's a great talent and he deserves to be where he is. It also helps being from Ohio. And same with O'Connor being from Penn State. And don't get me wrong. They're both elite talented and have great arm strength. They yeah. both deserve to be there. But I also think guys like Sanagrin and Picton deserve to be there as well.
3: And so does Mason Nias. I'm hoping that he gets a, a crack. He's at the regional combine in Edmonton. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, however it ends up, you'll land on your feet. You'll be quarterback in the Huskies, and uh, you got two degrees. And that's uh, more than a lot of people could say. Thanks for this, buddy.
8: Thanks, Baldi. Appreciate it.
2: Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening today, thanks for making
3: us part of your day. Ballsy with you in the chair in the octagon, the sports cage. Across the glass from me, it's our program director, Abby White. And we're training kind of a new producer, uh, uh, Olivia. Now, she does Pats hockey, but uh, she's going to be in with me for a few days. Zinger, our regular producer, is on a much-needed vacation. When this guy joins us on the sports cage, this guy being Glenn Suter... Uh, he is uh, presented by Quality Tire with 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Yes, and all our guests come to you via our friends at Western Pizza. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. I actually had Western Pizza a couple of times last week. Once when I was on location with this guy, Glenn Suter, and once... Uh, uh, at the end of the week to close, at bookend Western Pizza. Bookend the week with Western Pizza is the way to go.
9: Suits, how are you, my friend? Well, I had an awesome Caesar salad. Mm. Oh no, sorry, Greek salad Greek. at Western. Yeah, Greek salad at Western Pizza for mm. sure. When we had that wrap. Yeah, you ball. turned and me on. Was... You,
3: you turned me on to that because I had the salad like you after you left to, to head home to Vancouver, and then I had. I said, you know what? I got. I can't go to Western Pizza and not have a pizza. So I had a pizza at the end of the week. You got to do it yeah
9: well that's that's the specialty it's right in the name but <laughs> but they they do a heck of a Greek salad too, so that was excellent so
3: it's hard to believe, but Tom Brady is lost like tom Brady if he if he realizes that it's tough to break away from the game of football. You have to wonder what the what the gunner on special teams uh, for the Atlanta Falcons feels like when his career's over. Because this guy's got a, a gorgeous wife. He's got great kids. He has many homes. He's got money. He's got TB12. He's doing that Brady movie, Brady 80, or whatever it's called. And... But then he said, "No, you know what? I'm I'm coming back. A, a lot of guys. You can't replace, and you know the suits. You can't replace the adulation of running out onto the field and having all those people cheer for you."
9: Yeah, and and the process. You know, the the process of of first of all putting in the dedication and time and work that every pro athlete has to put in doesn't matter the sport, um, but also the as soon as you do that and then are validated when you start to work out with your team and you and you learn, you feel that that culture again and you're all in it for one reason you know that's why that's why my favorite and I I should have trademarked it a long time ago which is my favorite saying basically just team time you know when you're when you're around your teammates whether you're on or off the field or ice or you're playing cornhole in the back deck with your teammates uh it doesn't matter you you know that that bond is something that is so unique to sports. So it's, it's the most uh, important aspect of sports at all levels. I mean, it's why sports are great for kids, too, because they, they understand that to win in this environment, we have to be unselfish, humble, do the right thing for the person beside me in the locker room, And once you understand that and learn that, it transfers over to everything you do Mm -hmm. in life. But, I mean, it is it is a feeling of one go, we go, we're all in it together, that you just can't replace. And to me, that's what guys miss most. Is And that's what Brady was probably doing over the last two months. He was walking around going, I'm not going to see my teammates again. I'm not going to be in the locker room again. And and that's that's tough. That's the toughest part.
3: Well, yeah. His wife's a supermodel. She makes all the. She makes more money than him. She's busy. The kids are in middle school. So when he sends them to school, he's phoning guys. You want to hang out? And there's nobody. He's like, gee, I got to get, I got to get back to, I got to get back to work. But Suter, let me ask you this, Glenn. You're, you know, is that part of the? We've talked about your job before and finding it after football. But that is. You fell into a really and you you're doing a great job of it. But you fell into a job that kind of lets you stay in the game. That's kind of the cool thing about your job, about our job. We get to talk sports and stay in the game.
9: For me, yeah, it was, you know, I I sort of through just friendships in in Saskatchewan yeah. got into the radio business while still playing and you know the story, but mm. um, you know, that that was a grind. You know, there were two, three years there where I was doing the morning show at 6 a.m. so you you know you're you're up at four you know how that works mm-hmm. in the schedule you're you're up at four you're you're prepping you're getting ready for the day and then you walk out of there at around eleven after meetings and all of that kind of thing and then i was right over to the stadium and and doing my weights and and getting treatments and then practice and film study and you're back home at nine or ten o'clock at night and then you do it all again the next day so you know, there was there was a grind to get to the opportunity that T V presented. And it is hard for people though. It's hard for a lot of athletes. See, you know, I was lucky to find the path and then work hard at right. it. But the but the the you know, most players most players sort of play and then walk off the field going, Okay, what am I gonna do now? I, I kinda overlapped both. And and again, real fortunate to be able to do that. But uh, I just I think that's the part that is really tough for a lot of players. I'm sure it was for Tom Brady. He doesn't need money. He has he has all the championships. His goat status is intact. He, as you mentioned, he's got a beautiful family, beautiful wife. He he doesn't need to you know prove anything to anybody anymore. And yet, it's hard for him to leave. He he's going to go back and say, I want to be back in that room. You know, you know what was one of the interesting tra- uh, transitions for me, Balsey, was I, I retired from football, and what saved me were two things, hanging around and playing the guitar around a campfire at night with my buddies mm-hmm. and playing cornhole, and the beer league hockey locker room. Playing once a week, beer league hockey saved me when I retired yes. because it was that, you know, different level of intensity. Especially for a guy that played on what was called the football line. When you're on the football line in <laughs> hockey, you, you you can judge you can judge my hockey talents and skills. Who was on it's the football good.
3: Who is on the football line?
9: Jay Prepchak, who was a, yeah. a quarterback a quarterback for UBC and SFU, and a quarterback coach right now, and Steve Martin, who was my receiver in high school. Buddies of mine from North Vancouver, all football players trying to learn hockey in their 40s. <laughs> and, and kind of flopping around out there, but but it was the locker room and hanging around after games, win or lost, and and that's what kind of helped with the transition. If you don't have that. You know, there's a huge void. It is a massive void.
3: Souter. you've dropped Cornhole twice in this little chat right now. Uh, (laughs) Are are you any good at Cornhole? Because Abby and I are ready to go. My program director, Abby, and I, we're already ordering the shirts. We're ready to rock and roll at the Hungarian Club on Friday nights. Are you ready to join us? Are we going to go in as a sports cage pack and clean up?
9: Well, you we got to just get on the on the leaderboard, like get in there, yeah. put us in the tournament okay. and then and then let's see the chips where they'll fall because you know I went down to Nashville when my son was down there playing and this is the, the sort of pastime down there. I mean, cornhole in Nashville, Tennessee is huge. Mm-hmm. Massive tournaments, backyards, every time you're at someone's place, there's two things that happen someone picks up a guitar and sings and <laughs> the rest of the guys are playing cornhole in the backyard and and I was in a tournament with my son Jared we got there late so most of the entire round robin was done and they were down to two teams in the final so we had to go through the entire the entire group like there were I don't know 30 teams and we had to go through all of them and and not lose once to get to the final we did now i'm i'm pretty sure it was probably cuz my son because cornhole comes with beverages
3: right <laughs> <laughs> well of course it's a necessary evil right
9: well and and when and when you're playing cornhole and and you're having trouble focusing on the far uh you know, the, the area where you're, split, yeah. the, the whole board, yeah. like the whole board. I'm not talking about the whole, I'm talking about the, the whole, whole board. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you went into when it. When you're seeing, when you're seeing three of the whole board, um yeah maybe my son carried me I actually come to think of it
3: that's funny well we'll have to get you involved with uh with us here at the sports cage because we are definitely going to put our fingerprints all over the cornhole league They got the Canadian championships here in August but anybody's encouraged to go down there on Friday nights okay uh Glenn before we go to our first break here I had Mason Nias on from uh from Regina Mm -hmm. U of S quarterback this kid can throw the football but when I interviewed him He's a very competitive guy, very smart, great leader. I've been an advocate of his for a long time. But he had the kind of laid-back approach going into this thing, like, I'm going to meet some new people, have some fun, throw the ball around, and that's great, and and that's a great attitude to have. But I sensed, and he, he did agree with me, that he doesn't feel like he has a hope in heck. And I find that really depressing. You referenced Jay Prepchak, who I've talked to before. He, is, he mm-hmm. has coached a lot of young quarterbacks out there in BC, has the camps from like the little guys all the way up. Yep. And it's just disappointing to me that in Canada, we have four quarterbacks, either regionally or nationally, all combined, have only been invited to these combines. Can you imagine? And I don't want to... Hey, it's great. We want to look at the positives, you and me. It's great we have Nathan Rourke and we great great we have Michael O'Connor on the same roster. We've had the Andrew Buckley. So we've had some of that come up here. But man, that's depressing that only four have been invited. Do you not agree with that?
9: Yeah, it is. And you know, Julio Caravetta, another one, I think he was the last guy to start yeah. as a Canadian. Um you know, and yeah i you know when when I talk about this and and look into it again, it's why I will never apologize for the canadian ratio i, I and i and i think it should involve the quarterback position much more. I'm not sure if that's a mandatory spot on every team
1: mm-hmm. that
9: might be too far and it might be too hard to find those guys but it it's it definitely should be that both your quarterbacks or if all three are you know we get back to three on the roster i i would love to see that but um, you know, if you're two right now, a starter and backup are Canadian, that they both count against your ratio. And the, certainly the, the starter on the field counts against your, starting, uh, you know, your mm-hmm. starting seven that you need on the field for Canadians. I won't apologize for it because I've seen it the other way and how tough it is for kids that are Canadian that need an 01 work visa to work in the States in sports or in music or in theater. And both my kids have been through that. So... Uh, you know, I, I know how they protect Americans in their jobs, and, and that's why I'll never apologize for the ratio, but the ratio gets you in the door, and then you need a coach to have the patience and to see the potential to allow you to grow, because, you know, it's just, it, it has been in the history of the CFL, just, it's it's much more, um, you know, I I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but it's, it's not easier. That's not the right way to say it for an American coach or a coach that comes up. And, you know, a head coach in pro football doesn't have much time for success. Right. In in pro football, the quarterback position is the most important. It's the most important position in all of sports in my, in my it opinion. It is. I agree. All of team, agree. team sports. I agree. And it's the most difficult. So because Canadians in general, not just quarterbacks, but Canadians in general, over the years have had to you know, at times, spend a season getting up to the level of of an all-star pro player in Canada. And, you know, Ray Allgard didn't start his first year. I mean, you know, guys that were all-star players, you know, sometimes take a little bit longer to get into the starting lineup as Canadians because, you know, we started playing hockey at 8 and they started playing football at 8. Right. So, so because of, and the, and the sheer numbers, because of that, American coaches in Canada have looked at the, how quickly can I get a quarterback up to speed so we can win games so I don't get fired? And that's where they will always lean to the guy that went to Alabama or Washington State or Oklahoma State and all of these big schools down south because they played quarterbacks so much longer. That doesn't mean that our guys can't get there and our guys can't be the starters but they just haven't been able to get that opportunity like other guys have. I mean, Balzi, you and I have talked about this many times. I mean, how long have have teams in the CFL been patient with guys like Homer Jordan and guys like? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a, a mile long list. Well, the mentality, of the, quarterbacks.
3: the yeah, the mentality is this. And Julio Caravati, you referenced him. He's talked about this on these airwaves. When he quarterbacked um, the guy ahead of him from Texas Tech or whatever, wherever it was, he. Uh, he had a longer leash. Like, like Julio had to prove that he could be there. The other guy had to prove, and he had a longer leash to prove that he couldn't be there. You know what I mean? Like, Julio yeah. had a small window. This guy had a bigger window. And it, there there isn't a lot of fairness there. Hey, we're late for a break. When we come back, I want to ask you about a current coach's mentality towards quarterbacking and get your thoughts on it. That and much more. He's the lead football analyst. In Canada, it's Glenn Souter joining us here for his weekly spot on the Sports Cage, brought to you by Quality Tire on 620 CKRM.
2: Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And you want to weigh in on the show? There's an easy way to do it. It's our text line,
3: and it's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. That number would be 936. 936- 62, 62, and I'm talking sports with the lead football analyst in Canada, Glenn Suter. You know him from TV fame, but if you're a Rider fan, you know him. Number 27 on the jersey, number one in your heart, and uh, he is uh, a <laughs> Plaza of Honor inductee. Okay, so I want to ask you about this coach and how he approaches quarterbacks. I am. I like Chris Jones. I don't always agree with what he does. I didn't really agree with how he handled his quarterbacks here. In fact, I felt like he treated his quarterbacks and his offense as kind of second class when he was here. It was about the defense. Uh, I, I often felt Glenn like a punt was a good offensive play. And I look at what's going on in Edmonton with JT Barrett and and some of these guys. There is Nick Arbuckle there. There is Big Taylor Cornelius who uh, had some flashes, but it's a, gr- it's a learning curve as you know. And we talked about that in the last segment. Just, uh, what do you think? I think Chris Jones doesn't put a value on quarterbacks. Now, you have to look at it. When he won the Grey Cup as a head coach, he had, oh, I don't know, a guy named Mike Riley. So just your thoughts on how Chris Jones approaches offense and the quarterbacks.
9: Yeah, you know, when he, when he had Mike Riley, he had Mike Riley right in his prime when he was still called Mike, not Michael. And, <laughs> you know, and he, and he was, you know he was the leader and the guy running the offense you know i think back to even beyond that when kent austin was our quarterback he was the offensive coordinator as well you know and with with all due respect to all of the coordinators that we had through that time but uh you know he he really took control of it and a lot of a lot of quarterbacks will so when you look at chris jones you know i i saw it back when he was in saskatchewan he, he, didn't, he, he mismanaged, in, in my opinion, the quarterback position because I'm not sure he was confident in Brandon Bridge, Kevin Glenn, and the way they would rotate. I mean, at times I felt like, again, getting back to that Canadian quarterback discussion, had Brandon Bridge been able to start the playoff game at the beginning of the game and not come on the field after Kevin Glenn had thrown three picks in that playoff game mm-hmm. in Toronto, you know, maybe maybe the 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 Riders advanced that year, but it was sort of back and forth. And I, I'm not going to say, uh, Ballsy, like like you had phrased it, that it, it was a second-class citizen the way he treated quarterbacks. But I, I would say that he treats them in a lot of ways like you know he would a defensive back, saying you know I expect you to be covered, to to cover down and and cover your man. I know you're going to get beat occasionally. I want you to be aggressive, you know. And and he really is a defensive expert, so that's where his expertise lies, and that's where he's most confident. But but Coach Jones then has got to turn around and, and give the keys to the offense to the coordinator, the quarterback coach, and the quarterback, and then empower him to lead the team. I mean, I I think of the way Tressman, Mark Tressman deals with quarterbacks one of the guys that i i truly respect in that regard because of all the great names he uh, he coached and you know when james franklin was going to toronto and ricky ray was the starting quarterback there many in the media in the in the off season after the deal with james franklin to toronto from edmonton said when is james franklin going to be the starting quarterback does he start in day one of training camp and tressman was not you know saying no he was angry he was he was angry and lashed out at the at the even the thought of that question and he you know he was adamant that Ricky Ray is our starting quarterback and James Franklin has to make the team
1: mm-hmm.
9: so you know almost how dare you ask me are we going to just give this kid, who, yeah, he's the hot commodity right now, but are we going to give him the the keys? No way. I mean, he's got to make the team, move up the ladder, get to the second spot, and then maybe one day he'll beat out Ricky Ray. But not now. Ricky Ray's a starter. That's what I mean by empowering. When Ricky Ray would have heard that interview, and now he as a, I'm, I mean, I'm a, you know, one yeah. of the greatest of all time, but Ricky Ray – would have heard that and walked away from there saying i am the leader of this team i'm going to go out now is 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 chris jones going to do that with our buckle or is it going to be an open competition it sounds like it will be and when will he declare and if he doesn't declare is he going to go through the lineup and go through three different quarterbacks as the season goes on and just see if one gets a hot hand or how he's going to manage that because I, I think that's that's a dangerous way to
10: approach it.
3: Yeah, that's a, not a recipe for success. And I think you know, uh, I did the call-in show as I have for uh, you know twenty years here. And <laughs> Stephen McAdoo took a lot of heat. And do I agree with everything Stephen McAdoo did? No, I don't. But <laughs> he he's he's got Kevin Glenn. He's got Brandon Bridge. They're limited on offense, and he takes the best receiver away from from. Uh, from the coach and puts him on defense. in Deron Carter, do you really, do you envision this Deron Carter thing working out in Edmonton a couple of years removed?
9: Well, I, I think it's a long shot. I, I do, and I, you know, I think if we just keep the off-field stuff out of the conversation with Deron Carter, and you, you really can't. I mean, it's part no. of it, but if you just for a second take it out and just talk about the athlete, he's a tremendous athlete, but. As a defensive back for a whole season, not just a game or two, but a whole season, you you absolutely have to tackle, you have to hit, you have to be part of a unit, especially in the secondary. There are two areas on the field that have to be together. Offensive line is one, defensive backfield is the other. Because if one guy goes the wrong direction, the hole in the field for the the opposing quarterback to take advantage of is massive so you have to be together you have to be on the same page you can't play as an individual so the question i would have is will they get deron carter to play defense as a teammate and not as an individual so
3: you're a pl- you're a plaza of honor guy uh you uh you had your ups and downs you you uh, got on a really successful career were you, as a former player not a broadcaster as a former player were you offended when he makes a move like that like you know what I mean? Like that you can't just throw a receiver at defensive back. There's more to it than that. There's be like saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to we're going to take out Fairholm and we're going to put Suter in the slot." Like were you offended as a former player? That kind of bug you a little bit. Maybe offended too harsh a word.
9: Yeah, maybe too harsh. And and I would say as a as a player, and now if that's my teammate, I'm going to do everything in my power to help my teammate be as good as he can be in that new position and i'm going to do whatever we have to do watch more film you know spend tons of time together after and before practice all the things that you need to do as a teammate that's that's what you do but believe me we're all human in the locker rooms too and when real abstract moves are made and this is why i always say make the sound decision in game management to head coaches if you start going with gut feelings and just sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall, your entire team is going, what is he doing? And you don't say anything because it's not your place. And you're going to help your teammate as best you can, and that's your only priority. But if they start making moves that don't make any sense or not deciding on a quarterback or having a quarterback that isn't as good as the other one in your room, and everybody in the room knows it, and the and the guy who isn't as good as playing because of a favor or a contract thing or because mm-hmm. he's a, a, a coach's favorite, that is where players leave the locker room kinda rolling their eyes saying, Okay, well I'm gonna take care of my job, I gotta, you know, do my thing and you don't get the culture that you need to win at the highest level.
3: Uh, we got about two minutes to go here, Glenn. So um, I, I wanted to ask you this. The Rough Riders, relative inexperience on their defensive line and secondary, where most of the returnees from last year uh, are making near league minimum. They let some big names go. Which area on the Riders' defense do you have more concern? On the D line or in the secondary?
9: Well, I'm I'm going to say D-line because I think D-line. <laughs> this coming from a former safety, but I, I'm saying D-line trumps the DBs because if you have great pressure, you can spend more time getting your DBs up to speed. You you can buy time for them, but if you don't get any pressure, the whole thing is going to collapse pretty quickly because you know the quarterback play and the receiver play at at the pro level in Canadian Football League is is so good the guys are great and they will tear you apart guys like Bo Levi Mitchell and play, players like that will mm-hmm. will rip apart a of defense if you don't get pressure on them so to me that would be priority number one where D-line trumps secondary and you know guys like Mike Edom and and you know guys like Nick Marshall there's still enough veteran presence back there to get that together fairly quickly but I, I would say D line. Work on that first.
3: Glenn Souter, this has been great as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow because I got a bank full of uh, more questions for you. We got Randy Ambrosi coming to town. So you think about what questions you would like to ask Randy Ambrosi. Maybe we'll prime the pump with that. Thanks, Suits. I appreciate it. And uh, Abby just said get your cornhole game ready, okay? Get your cornhole hey. game ready.
9: Hey, hey, I'll I'll take number 27 if you're printing up (laughs) uniform.
3: Okay, good. We duly noted. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow. That's uh, Glenn Suter, lead football analyst in this country, joining us. He'll join us three times this week as he does during the offseason. When we come back in the other side of the 6 o'clock news, uh, leader post sports writer Rob Vanstone with another pick six. We'll talk six training camp bus for the riders. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM
2: the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Ballsy in the seat here, and
3: uh, we need to do a sports ticker uh, brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. From the NFL, Mitch Trubisky, quarterback, signing with the Steelers. Teddy Bridgewater will sign with the Dolphins. Cowboys have traded receiver Amari Cooper to Cleveland for late picks. Uh, Then they signed receiver Michael Gallup to a huge deal. He's coming off an ACL. I don't know if I like that move. Uh, They do have C.D. Lamb, nice receiver, but he did have the case of the dropsies in the playoffs. Speaking of the Browns, they have cut receiver Jarvis Landry, who's really become the face of their turnaround. So that's very interesting in in Cleveland. Uh, Antonio Brown wants to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, You know what they say, everybody deserves a seventh chance. Um, what else can we tell you? There's hockey tonight. One game on the ice. Real barn burner. Coyotes at the Sens in the lone game. And Josh Manson on the move to the Avs from the Ducks in exchange for a prospect on a 2023 second rounder. And uh, Tom Brady is unretired and that dude that spent $518,000 is uh, now shaking his head. Talk about a deflated ball. Wah, wah, wah. Time to head out on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline where all our guests come to you. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. We're happy to have this guy on the show. He is uh, normally uh, hosting our halftime show uh, or or one of the co-hosts of the halftime show during the broadcast. Hard to believe that's 2 months away. It's Rob Vanstone from the Leader Post. Uh, Rob, um have you wasted money like five hundred and eighteen thousand dollars on the last on something like a last football that wasn't a last touchdown pass football?
11: No, I've I've wasted money quite uh, <laughs> liberally and enthusiastically, I, uh, but not not to that extent. In nineteen ninety three, uh, a friend of mine, Michelle, was so sick of me complaining about not having a girlfriend that first thing on a Saturday morning, she took me down to a computer date place, mm-hmm. and uh, before I knew it, I'd put like three hundred bucks on the table to do the computer dating. And then, so, um, I don't know why I'm boring you with this, but not long after, I started getting all these phone calls, and it's just like, uh, oh, and I never phoned anybody back. I just, (laughs) (laughs) I 300 (laughs) bucks for computer dating, and never even had one.
3: But uh, I thought you were going to tell me, I thought you were building me up to say it was money well spent. You, You met your lovely wife that way.
11: Well, yeah, I did. I ended up meeting my lovely wife totally by accident on November 19th, 1994, in the bowels of the Moose Jaw Civic Center. Mm. Uh and I was so enthralled with it, I asked her out three years with her that I asked her out three years later. It was a total accident. Not a lot
3: so, of great uh, not a lot of great things happen at the Moose Jaw Civic Center. That has to go down as yeah, one of was- them. That, has to go. That, was the, uh, that was the greatest uh, impromptu chance <laughs> meeting ever. So It's awesome, man. Okay, so Rob Vanstone, nobody knows Rough Rider football like you. I like to think I do. I know the professor Don Hewitt does, but you're, you're the guy. You're the Rolodex. So I thought I'd get, we're two months out from training camp. We do a thing called another pick six, six topics. I'm going with training camp bus theme for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In no particular order, let's start with number six.
11: Oh, that's a good one. Let's go with Todd Reesing.
1: Okay. Uh,
11: I'm not even sure if he made training camp. I think he made rookie camp. He came in with a huge buildup in 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 2009, 2010, somewhere on there. And uh, he was compared to Doug Flutie. I mean, he was a small, mobile, dervish-like quarterback. And I don't even think he got to training camp. So the buildup compared to the lack of longevity, I think – I think we'll put him in that category. Okay, so he's
3: number six uh, training camp bust for the Rough Riders. By the way, I don't really, like, I like training camp, but I don't get wowed by it. I I don't want to see what the threes can do against the threes. I want to see when the lights are on ones versus ones. Number five training camp bust for the riders, according to the great Rob Vanstone.
11: How about Vince Young? Um, Yeah. There was a lot of uh, commotion in 2017 when Vince Young signed with the Rough Riders, and uh, there was a lot of hype at the uh, training camp, And he never even, again, almost like Todd Reesing, although he actually did make it to training camp, but not out of it. He uh, got hurt in a training camp scrimmage and uh, blew a hamstring, and that was the end of Vince Young in Saskatchewan. So let's go with that one.
3: Okay, number five, Vince Young. Number four, Rob Bandstone of the Leader Post, another pick six. Your number four training camp bust. Willie Jones,
11: 1984. This is someone who had a quarterback sack. For the, for the Oakland Raiders in their Super Bowl victory over the Philadelphia Eagles in 1981. Um, actually, former rider-receiver Rodney Parker played for the Eagles in that game. Actually called a t- caught a touchdown pass from Ron, Ron Jaworski. Ron Jorski, it, was yep. called, it was called back. But Willie Jones showed up in 84 and was an absolute terror. He was just throwing people around at training camp and, uh, and then just kept getting hurt and kept getting hurt and didn't play and didn't play. And then they played him, actually, one game. In Ottawa, it was the day that Dave Ridgway set the CFL record with eight field goals, one that he eventually tied and has since been tied twice. And uh, he was just tossing people around left and right that game in Ottawa at Lansdowne Park. He had a sack and a half. the riders had eight or nine sacks that day. They were all over Ottawa. And he never played again. It might have been the greatest single game in the history of a rough rider. So maybe it's a bit of a shaky choice for training camp bus. but the fact that he never played after that, mm-hmm. I think, Lead makes eminently qualified for this illustrious list. So let's go with Willie Jones at number four.
3: Okay, man. Number three, Rob Vanstone's pick six in terms of training camp busts uh, for the riders. Who's number three? Pete Van Valkenburg. <laughs>
11: Best um, name ever. Dutchman. He, yeah. uh, George Reed had retired after the, the 75 season, even though he had, a, I think, his third highest single season rushing total uh, ever, uh, or, or his, his third highest total personally mm-hmm. in seventy five. And uh suddenly they needed they needed a halfback. Well they I mean Steve Moller stepped in for, for George Reed at fullback but but he'd been playing he was the other back in the backfield in seventy five when George Reed was a fullback. So they needed a halfback. And Pete Van Valkenburg. he was once O. J. Simpson's backup in Buffalo. He was a uh, big star at Brigham Young. And uh He had this amazing training camp, this amazing intra-squad game. And again, it was almost like Willie Jones. He had this one great game. It was in Calgary. He caught two touchdown passes and and ran for another touchdown, a 90-yard touchdown run down the left sideline at Iverwin Stadium. Pardon me, at McMahon Stadium. But by September, that was pretty much it for Pete Van Valkenburg, and he never did finish the season with that uh, 76 Rough Rider team. So there was so much hype there, and it never really materialize
3: well and, and speaking of material that's a lot of uh that's a lot of a name to put on a jersey so the equipment guy's probably pretty happy happy Pete Van buelberg didn't make the team number two on pick six another pick six with leader post sports writer rob Vanstone, the second training camp bust in your opinion
11: oh boy um I mean there's so many quarterbacks <laughs> that you could put in that category you know, they, you know they came in with a lot of hype and Never really did much. Um, how about Tony Rice?
2: Tony uh, Notre Dame.
11: He, he led Notre Dame to a national title in '88. Had a you know played played for the Fighting Irish in '89 as well. And there was so much fuss over Tony Rice. It was, even though he really wasn't much of a passer in college, he was more of a running quarterback, and his passing stats at college were unremarkable. Even though his one loss record was great, and uh, I remember we. Les Donathan, one of our sports writers at the time, actually got a hold of Lou Holtz and talked to Lou Holtz about Tony Rice. And was, how, how do you get Lou Holtz on the phone? And uh, <laughs> that's, and, that's uh, more
3: impressive say? than Tony Rice. Yeah, exactly. And, uh,
11: and uh, so Tony Rice came. You actually stuck around for an entire season. Never really did much, but good luck when Ken Austin's a starting quarterback. Ken Austin was a was an All Star that year in 1990. And Tony Rice never really did much. But there, there's a whole ton of quarterbacks who came in with a bunch of hype and never really did much after that. Dave Steyrman.
1: Steyrman.
11: He was supposed to be a, a dual threat, and he never made it out of uh, preseason either. Uh, uh, oh, there's a whole There's a whole list <laughs> of them. But let's go with Tony Rice.
3: Okay. And the number one training camp bust, another pick six, the number one training camp bust. I'm not going to hold you to it. But uh, who, in your opinion, was the biggest training camp bust?
11: Well, it's almost become known, and I know it's even been mentioned on the cage before, the the Terrence Nunn Award for a a player who comes in and has a great training camp and never really turns into much after that. It's kind of unfair to Terrence Nunn. It's not like he came in and hyped himself. And it was a bad football team in 2011 when he joined the Rough Riders. But he had this amazing camp. And in fact they didn't even play him in the preseason finale. The only reason being they treated him like a veteran. They were saying, Well, we know what we've got here in Terrence Nunn. We're not even gonna risk him getting hurt. It's like it's like <laughs> we're not gonna get Darian hurt, we're not gonna get we're not gonna get Terrence Nunn hurt. And I remember talking to a member of the rider's staff who thought they had the next G Roy Simon. Oh god. And uh but he ended up with as many Canadian Football League touchdowns is Carly Simon. (laughs) And uh, and that that was it for Terrence.
3: (laughs) Well, at least you didn't compare him to Paul Simon. Or maybe you could (laughs) have... Simon and Schuster. Hey, before I let you go, I heard... You're trying to cut in on my territory now. You're color guy for Decaria? Well, what's that all about? Good job, yeah, Good job, by the way. Good job, by the way. Uh, thank you. Undefeated color guy,
11: I must note. Yeah? Um, uh, that was the, the, Pat's, the Pats beat Lethbridge 4-3 to three on, on Friday night. And uh, I managed to describe it semi-coherently.
1: Mm-hmm.
11: And uh, so, uh, but I wasn't asked back. Uh, the, 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 there was a huge improvement when Al Dumba returned to the booth on on uh, on Friday, on pardon me, on Saturday. Yeah. If they if they'd had me teaming with El Dumba, it would have been Dumb and Dumba. <laughs> so, but uh, fortunately, it never came.
3: to Well, I will tell you what, man, you did a great job, and you're just you were hoping they'd invite you back. So it was another excuse for you not to shower because you didn't want to break <laughs> you didn't want to break the jinx, right? I just I just bugging well, you. Well, my went.
11: wife has been lobbying for several months, and actually, that's one of the reasons I never phoned back any of the computer dates. I thought the reluctance <laughs> to shower may have just yeah. been the old thing before. There was even an introduction.
3: Turn them off. Well, it's a natural tie. And coming up here to wrap up the sports cage, we got their outstanding captain, Logan Nyhoff. And just a quick comment about him. That guy's an awesome dude, Logan Nyhoff.
11: Is he ever. I mean, he has the the blood drive, and he's had that for a couple of years now. He's just a a great citizen. Despite the fact that, you know, the the two years that he's been the captain have also coincided with a pandemic, which really exacerbates the challenges of getting out into the community. But he finds a way and uh and uh, he's just just a tremendous ambassador for the regina pads i mean there's some really neat people on that team and for logan nyhoff to wear the c when there's some really cool people is uh is uh is really quite something i and he's, he's not only that i mean he's turned into a very good hockey player i mm-hmm. mean he's one goal away from his career high uh he's he's Tough to beat a face-off circle, tough to beat as a human being. So, yeah, yeah yay for Logan Nyholtz. Well,
3: and you're tough to beat as a human being, too. Funny guy, got the one-liners, and he had his pick six, pick six training camp bus. You can listen to the podcast later to figure out who Rob slotted in. Thanks for this, Mr. Vanstone. We'll talk to you soon. Look forward to it, Ballsy. Thanks for your time. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment
2: it's time to step into the radio octagon you're tuned to the sports cage on saskatchewan sports radio 620 ckrm
3: and we're going to wrap up this sports cage show for this monday in fine style with the captain of your regina pats logan nyhoff who traveled with the team to medicine Hat, getting set for a game against the tigers before we get to that logan Let's rewind to the weekend. What a what a, a pair of four-point victories for you guys. Just uh, how did it look through your eyes?
10: Yeah, uh, you know, it was awesome. Just kind of looking at the standings there, we we knew we needed those two games. It was a big share points against two teams that we were battling with for, for the wild-card spots here. So, um, you know, our coaches did a phenomenal job getting us prepared with video and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we had a game plan going into both the games and we knew how we needed to play to to come out with... Two points in each game, and then we we're able to follow through with it. So it's awesome to see.
3: It's amazing too what can happen when you have a full lineup. Hey,
10: yeah, for sure. I mean, all year our team's been struggling with injuries. I think probably since uh, around start of November, uh, we haven't had a full lineup. So it's awesome to get everyone back in.
3: Okay, so you've been around a long time. You're the captain. You're the dude on this team. The settling, uh, the settling f- uh, factor. I like to say the anchor. Um, but when you look at that, Connor Bedard, hundred points now. Uh, what a game it was! A, a year to the day for his debut uh, against the Calgary Hitman gets two goals. Just your thoughts watching that sixteen-year-old phenom.
10: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, every day watching him in practice and games and stuff. You know, he's he's something special. He's going to have an incredibly special career. Um, just the way he shoots the puck, but. I think the biggest thing that, that not a lot of people see is just his character and, and how um, mature he is for his age and, and how good of a teammate and person he is. I think that's kind of the biggest thing that that kind of sets him apart from, from a lot of people. I think his maturity has definitely helped out in his on-ice play as well.
3: Can you rewind your life to back when you were 16 like him? How more mature is he than you were? Or were you pretty comparable?
10: I think I was pretty mature for my age, but certainly, I mean, I've never gone through the amount of pressure and attention that he gets, so just the way he handles it, uh, pretty cool to watch and, you know, obviously getting 100 points in 62 games or whatever, I'm not sure who's the last person who's done that, if anyone's done it in the last 20 years or whatnot, so. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a special person, and it's awesome to have him as a teammate.
3: Well, you're a special person, too, the Pats captain, Logan Ihop. Uh So uh, tell me, when you drive to Medicine Hat on the bus, what's the setup? Like, who are you sitting with? You get the Do you get the throne in the back? How does it work?
10: Yeah, the, uh, the 20-year-olds in the back get, get our own seat, so we get to, to put our feet up a little more and have a little more room oh. than the other guys. But, uh, you know, our bus is set up pretty good where we kind of have recliners in there, so everyone's got a good amount of room.
3: That's good. So, but does the does Bedard get treated like a twenty-year-old or a sixteen-year-old? Does he does he still does he still get treated like a young guy?
10: Oh yeah, he's still a young guy.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, when do we play cards in the back? And if we're playing cards, what game are we playing?
10: Uh, we don't play a ton of cards, but when we do, just uh the classics, presidents, chase the ace, mm-hmm. uh that that kind of game. But you no, know, most guys we just kind of chat. And kind of mess around a little bit but then uh, a lot of guys just kind of watch movies listen to music that kind of thing
3: are you going to miss the bus rides when it's all said and done for you this being your final year in the western hockey league
10: uh yeah i mean a little bit it's it's certainly a team builder and it's fun to be on the bus with everyone but uh i feel like i've had my fair share of bus rides here in the last five years so um uh, I, won't, I won't miss it too much you didn't miss the west coast trip the last couple of years I, I did, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's awesome to get out, you know, playing a different division and conference, and especially being from out west. Um, it was pretty special being able to play in Victoria once when I was 17, and unfortunately it wasn't able to happen again, but no, it certainly is nice getting out there.
3: So, Logan Nyhoff, uh, are you soaking this big trip in, this five gamer? Uh, are you kind of soaking this one in because you are. Uh, you got more. Uh, you got more yesterdays than tomorrows in this league. I think 15 regular season games left. Are you savoring it all? Yeah,
10: um, for sure. I think when you see that that we only have 15 games left, me Riker and uh, Salemi, we kind of kind of looked at each other and like, wow, like holy smokes, it goes by fast. But no, I'm extremely grateful for for the opportunity I've been given in Regina and being able to play for this organization um is definitely something that I I hold super close to myself and my family so um you know it's exciting here and hopefully make a push here and and get back in the playoffs where we belong. Yeah, that was
3: a big step last week and you guys the key here Logan is you're playing teams you need to catch and how important is it here? You don't you respect all your opponents but you got to win this game against Medicine Hat coming up here Tuesday. They uh they They have had their struggles this year for one reason or the other. you gotta win this game y you, you, you can't lose this one
10: yeah no exactly um it's It's certainly important and even playing Lethbridge again mm-hmm. and swift current um our our schedules are lined up pretty well in our favor here to have everyone back and uh you know to still be in a good position and have games in hand and and be able to play all the teams that they were kind of in the fight for have four point games so um no it's it's certainly a big uh, little road swing going on here and then when we get back on friday we're going to need another win so um as far as the opponent goes we just got to play our game every night and uh, it doesn't matter who we're playing
3: hey uh logan do you pinch yourself that you are you are the captain of the most storied franchise in junior hockey have, have, has that settled in at all
10: yeah i i don't know if it's it's really fully settled in until it's over i think um, but yeah, it's certainly the biggest accomplishment of my hockey career so far. And uh, I mean, looking at the list outside of the dressing room of, of past captains and even the captains since I've been here, I mean, coming in 15, being able to watch Adam Brooks and then having Sam Steele, Jake Lesish, and I mean, those are all special guys that, that have done very well for themselves. So to, to be on that list as well, it's, it's certainly my biggest accomplishment to date.
4: Where
3: did your manners and politeness come from? Uh,
10: I don't know. Uh, uh, thank you, um, but I think probably just my parents and how they raised me. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have the parents I have. They're, they're down to earth and humble and kind of always preach that to me, to to respect everyone, everywhere you go and treat people how you want to be treated. So, um, I guess, yeah, just credit that to my parents
3: yeah and you also have a very uh very nice humanitarian background you helped out with a blood drive here you're a driving force you're out in schools is that always been in your dna to be community minded or is it something you picked up uh you know from 16 all the way to 20 as you matured as a regina pat
10: um yeah i think it's it's something i've always kind of been interested in and certainly being 16 and 17 you're in school you don't have much time but then when you're 18 19 20 in the league uh you got a lot more time on your hands and uh all of our all of us players um have have a platform in the community just being able to play for the team and stuff so i think just just being able to use that and kind of take advantage of it and um do as much as you can in the community uh, it goes a long way i mean going Certainly going to hospitals and schools and stuff and seeing the smiles on the kids' faces and stuff make it worth it. And it only it doesn't take much time out of our day, so um, certainly when we can help out, it, it it's nice to do.
3: What do you want to do after your Pat's hockey career is done? Do you plan to continue to play hockey? Do you want to coach? What What's a uh, school? What's on the agenda for you?
10: Yeah, the the plan is to continue to play hockey. It, it's a little up in the air right now. Uh, um, so, it, yeah, I... I can't really say too much, but I'm hoping to play hockey after the year, and whether that be in school or pro, I'm not too sure yet, but that, that's certainly the plan.
3: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, now, you got me, uh, now you got me interested, uh, not that I wasn't before in your hockey career, but now I want to see what happens after. But, hey, you still got business to take care of. Good luck in this road swing, and hopefully in your last year as captain of the Pats you can make the playoffs and, and do something when you get there. Thanks,
10: Logan, for your time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot for having me on.
3: And Logan Nyhoff and the uh Regina Pats will start their five-game journey away from the Brandt Center. Key five-game trip tomorrow against the Medicine Hat Tigers, a game you'll hear right here on 620 CKRM. This is a very fluid show in terms of always breaking news. We had uh, Wave will star the local indie wrestler talking about uh, Scott Hall and Razor Ramon, and it just came across that he did pass away. So he uh, was 63 years old, suffered three heart attacks, and the WWE Hall of Famer, has uh, passed away at the age of 63 so that's some sad news we had a great show today, we heard from Mason Nias, Regina Kid quarterback of the Huskies going to the Combine, Rob Vanstone with his pick six, training camp bust for the Riders, we had our Cornhole update because we are covering Cornhole talk to Glenn Suter, he'll be back tomorrow Claire Dore was our coach of the week as she uh, is coaching not only the Belfer Senior Girls Basketball Team tomorrow in the City Championship, but the first ever female coach for the U18 football team with um, Football Sask. And, uh, Katlyn Schneider opened this jam-packed show talking about the performance that Brad Gushu and his three-member rink put on at the Briar and talking about his own rinks performances. Schneider and the gang did a great job with the Colton Flash. Foursome tomorrow. Glenn Suter's on the show. Arash Madani. We'll talk to Faith Reed from the U of R Cougars ladies basketball team there in the playoffs this weekend. And we'll get an SJHL playoff preview from the coach and GM of the Weyburn Red Wings. He's our SJHL expert, Cody Mapes. That and much, much more. This has been the Sports Cage for this Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.